You're listening to episode 65 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena, professional life coach and best-selling author of Widowed and the new release, The Widow Coach. This podcast is based on real stories and real experiences of widowhood, that of my own as a widow, and from many other widows that I've talked to and worked with as a life coach. This is a Joanne the Life Coach podcast production, which also includes Weight Coach and This Is Us podcast. Hello, listeners. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, chilly, October 1st. I know it'll be later than that when you hear this, once it gets all edited and uploaded. But I'm here on this Sunday morning with a little coffee, decided to jump on and um, talk to you all. I know it's been a little while. So um, first of all, I want to talk about the fact that I podcast a TV show which may seem a little strange, but you know, when I first watched This Is Us premiere last year, uh, I was just captivated by the show. And I thought, every one of these characters needs a life coach, right? How could I resist? How could I resist? So it's been fun, and we're going to do it again this season. Um, so yeah, if you watch, go look for that podcast as well. It's going to be interesting because I believe you know, we're seeing one of the main characters and when she becomes widowed. So that's going to be interesting to podcast on. That's going to be interesting. I jumped on because I had um, a week ago done a free workshop online. Now, I'm sure many of you listening may have been there or got the replay so great. I realized that I probably have a lot of listeners that are not on my email list. So I wanted to talk about that workshop today. I think a lot of people got a lot out of it. I went really long. <laughs> I went really long on the workshop. Workshops online are really supposed to be kept to about an hour or less because most people don't have more time than that to devote to it. You know, sit in front of their computer and watch it. I think we went over an hour and a half. It was really long, but it was great because there were questions and I coached somebody through the questions. It was really nice. But um, what I taught on that workshop was one of the first basic lessons that I teach in my Widow Coaches certification course. And I wanted to share it with everybody. First of all, to give you an example of the kind of tools that my Widow Coaches learn. But also because this particular tool can be so powerful in our own lives. I mean, all the coaching tools are. I self-coach myself every day. It's not like, oh, well, Joanne's a professional life coach and she life coaches other people, so she must have her life all together. <laughs> no, coaches need coaching. I coach myself all the time because our minds... Our minds are what create the stories that we tell ourselves. And we always have to go back in and take a look at what it is our mind is thinking. What is it our brain is telling us? It's a little like trying to keep your house clean. You can't clean up your whole house 
and then be done with it. Say, great, now my house will be beautiful, shiny forever and ever. <laughs> so when I clean up my mind, my mind does not stay beautiful and shiny forever and ever. Old thoughts come up out of the subconscious that I say, wow, why the heck did I get that? Why am I thinking that? So I'm constantly coaching myself. A couple of the things that I shared. One was the coaching thought model. Now, this coaching thought model was written out by Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. And that is the reason I reached out to her to be certified as a coach to go study at the Life Coach School when I became a certified coach because I recognized that thought model right away. <laughs> it was like, that is it. That's exactly what I've always believed. That's exactly what I've learned from other sources. And that's what I want to focus on. It's a powerful tool. So I'm going to share it with you as briefly as I can and um, trying to do it with audio and no video. So you will have to make a couple notes or picture this in your mind. The coaching thought model is C-T-F-A-R. And I'll tell you what that stands for. The C is for circumstances. These are the facts in your life. Facts. These are facts that you could prove in a court of law. No judgment is included. Okay. And I, I've talked about this in previous episodes. Might have to go back a ways. We're on number 65, which kind of blows my mind. Um, so the circumstances are just the bare facts. The T is for your thoughts. It's what you think about the fact in your life right? Facts we can't control or change, but we have thoughts about them. So if you share a fact similar to what all of us have, which is my spouse died, that would be a fact. We could prove that in a court of law. My spouse died. Everything else about that or the thoughts we have about it or the story we tell ourselves about it, right? The F is for feelings and every thought that plays in your brain vibrates down into your body and creates your feelings. Feelings are called feelings because you feel them in your body. When you feel a feeling, if you are super happy, super elated by something, you've got some fantastic news. If to me, it feels like a lightness in my chest, it feels like energy that just lifts upward in my body. If I'm feeling really depressed and blue, wow, then it makes my legs feel heavy. My arms feel heavy. Like I don't even want to lift them. Right? That's kind of like depressed for me. And for me, it's like a cold blue feeling in my body. I can describe my feelings. I've really learned to do that, to get into them so I could process my feelings. But our feelings never come from outside of us. That's the fascinating part because we often attribute our feelings to something that's happened to us or something someone said to us. We might think that person just rubs me the wrong way. I always feel ticked off. She always makes me ticked off. She doesn't make you ticked off. 
what ticks you off is what you think about her or what you think about what she says. She says something to you and you make it mean something that ticks you off. She may not have even intended it that way. Okay? Circumstances outside of us cannot cause us to feel anything until we think a thought about them. And it's the thought that our brain plays for us that creates the emotion, the feeling inside of us. A in C-T-F-A-R, A is for action or non-action. It's how you act. If you think a thought that makes you feel ticked off, how are you going to act? You might get snippy. You might just be the kind of person who just shuts down and does nothing and just removes himself from the situation because you don't like confrontation. It's like a non-action. When I'm ticked off, I just shut down. And the action you take because of how you feel, or sometimes we take actions based on how we want to feel, that action is what creates the results in your life. That's the R, C-T-F-A-R. Circumstances, your thoughts about the circumstances, the feelings those thoughts create, the way you act or show up because of the way you're feeling and the results that your actions produce in your life. And those results will always prove the thought back to your brain. Brain loves to be right. I don't know about you. I know my brain loves to be right. So, and I'll know that I've done that thought model correctly for myself. If the results that I get from it always back up my thought because our thoughts create our results. That's kind of the shortcut there, right? It's what you're thinking is going to create, inevitably create a result in your life that's going to prove out what you're thinking. So that's why our thoughts are so important because it's going to play out in your life. Now, story versus fact. This is what I was teaching in the workshop. It's being able to write down your story about something. All right. We tell ourselves stories all the time. We tell other people. We tell them all about what happened to us at the grocery store how it made us feel, exactly how that whole situation played out at the grocery store, how stressed out it made us. We can tell that whole story. You can write down that whole story. And then you can start looking in it for the absolute facts and break out the facts. You'd be surprised. There will be few facts, okay, and they're very specific. And once you see that handful of facts, now you have a better idea of what all that story is that you're choosing to tell yourself. So one of the examples I used was, let me find it here. Got a couple of case studies. Okay, I had, I had a widow come to me for coaching about a month after her husband died. And one of her concerns was that she took quite a bit of time away from work. She took time off when he was ill in the hospital to be by his side. She took time off after he died. Of course she did. 
So it, she said, it's not as if he passed away and then I took time off from work. She said, it's even longer because I took several weeks off from work while he was in the hospital and then he died and I haven't gone back yet. And her concern was that her co-workers were thinking she just should have it all together and be back there. My co-workers are thinking, what's wrong with her that she hasn't come back to work yet? She should be get it together and come back to work. So this was her story about this. Now, the facts of her story is she's taken several weeks away from work through her husband's illness and due to the fact that he died. The fact that he died is a fact. Her spouse died. She's taken several weeks off from work and she's not returned to work yet. Everything else is the story she's telling herself. Got it? I think at the time I talked to her, she had probably taken about five weeks off. So five weeks off from work. She hasn't gone back to work yet. Her husband died. Those are the facts. All this stuff about what her co-workers were thinking about her and, you know, how she should have it together and get back there. And she was feeling so stressed about that and so upset about that because of all the stories she was making this mean. But she was making it mean that she was taking all this time away from work. It was really upsetting for her. And when I asked her, first of all, it had only been less than a month since he died when she reached out to me. So at first when she was telling me her story, I thought maybe she had been away from work for several months already and was concerned. But no, really, it's just been a matter of weeks. And then I said, um, well, what, what is it that your coworkers have been saying to you about this that makes you feel like they think you should just get it together? And she said, well, I don't really know, actually. I've avoided talking to anyone or seeing anyone from work because I just can't face that. And I said, oh, so no one's actually said this to you. This is what you're surmising that they are thinking, right? This is what she was choosing to assume they would be thinking. And, you know, it took a few minutes of conversation for her to really clearly understand that it was not a fact that her co-workers thought she should be over it and get herself together and get back to work. It was what she was choosing to tell herself that she had, in fact, not even talked to anyone since taking time away. And I told her, you know, if you talk to them, they may be thinking something completely differently. Especially if you talk to them. Especially if you say, this has been so difficult for me and I am really not emotionally in any shape to walk back in there to work yet. I mean, what, you know, she's not going to know what her coworkers are thinking unless she talks to them. And if she walks around thinking, my coworkers think I should get it together and be back to work already. And that makes her feel so embarrassed and guilty. And the way she acts is she does, she avoids talking to anyone from work. 
And the result's going to be no one at work knows that she just, there's no way she could have it together and be back to work yet. You see that cycle? That's the thought model. What she's thinking, how it makes her feel, the way she acts because of how she feels. And the result creates exactly what she's thinking. Right? She's thinking, they think I should get it together and be back to work. And the result is they very well could think that because she hasn't told them any differently. So that is the difference between story and fact. In fact, if she considered the fact that it had not actually been that long away from work in the great scheme of things, no doubt her co-workers were very concerned over what she's going through. And I found out what her job actually was as she worked in an emergency room in a major hospital. Kind of a tough environment to face when you've just lost your husband. So once we discussed this and she began to see that it was all her thoughts about these basic facts that was making her feel upset, she was able to find thoughts that she believed that felt a heck of a lot better. If she found the thought that they may be concerned with how I'm doing because I've kind of hidden from everybody for a while. So that gave her the courage to pick up the phone and talk to some of the people at work about the time she was taking and how much more time she was wanting to take to work through her grief after losing her husband and take care of all the things she felt she needed to take care of after he passed. So there you have it, the difference between story and fact. Now, in after this webinar, after this workshop that I uh, taught for everybody, I sent out a couple of little worksheets. And I've talked to a few of the widows that were there, and I'm so delighted that some of you reached out to me for that. And we talked about finding uh, the circumstances to coach. All right, this is the way I teach it to my, my coaches. And I gave them a real client sample. And this is the story from one of my widow clients. She said, I have no passion for my daily work whatsoever. I want to wake up with a purpose, be helpful to others. I want to look forward to my day instead of dreading it. I don't have enough money to live comfortably. Due to my spouse dying, I live month to month, only paying bills with little to no money left over. I work almost every hour of the day. When I'm not working, I'm sleeping. I want my life back, time for myself, with my children, with my friends. And probably most importantly, I'm ready to quit kicking myself around for some of the choices I've made that haven't been the best. I never really learned how to handle money. I always left that all up to him. So if you listen to that story, and you might want to rewind this and listen to it a couple times, see if you can spot the facts in that story. It can be harder than you think. So many that I talked to, um, they felt that... Um, it was a fact that she didn't have enough money to live comfortably. That's not a fact. That's the thought that she's thinking about her finances. 
okay? The fact is that she has money coming in. She has a job. She says she has no passion for her work. So there's a fact that she has a job. She has daily work. Another part of that is that she pays bills. What she thinks about paying bills is that she lives month to month only paying bills with little to no money left over. That still not doesn't make it a fact that she's not living comfortably because that is subjective. Subjectively, she's saying, you know, I'm barely making it, just paying my bills with little to no money left over. And I would think, what is it? No money or little money? How much money is left over? Okay? The fact is, she has a job, she pays bills. That's it. Everything else is what she tells herself about that, which makes her feel really desperate and scared. Because she thinks her financial situation is awful. Now, I'll tell you the truth behind that bit of the story. She did have money left over each month after paying her bills from her income. It wasn't the same amount of money that was left over after paying bills when her spouse was alive. So she did have money left over to live on. She could no longer travel freely like they used to. They used to take trips more than four times a year. And the truth was, between savings accounts and investments, she was worth over half a million dollars. She was just freaked out about her finances because she didn't have as much money coming in each month, income actually coming in, as she used to have and felt that it was cutting things really close. So you listened to that story when I told it and you may have got all wrapped up in it and in agreement with her and I know just how she feels because the truth is all of us feel just totally freaked out about our finances when our spouse dies. Most of us do anyway. Okay, but those were the bare facts about her finances. She pays bills. She has a job, so there's a paycheck coming in. Now, about that job, she has a job. That's a fact. Everything else she tells herself about that job is making her feel terrible about that job. She's saying, I have no passion for my daily work whatsoever. I want to wake up with purpose and to be helpful. Ah, instead of looking forward to my day, I dread it. I work almost every hour of the day. Really? 24 hours? <laughs> Obviously, she doesn't work 24 hours. She may not even work seven days a week. It just feels that way to her because of what she's thinking about her job. She really hates it. She really dreads it. She has no passion for it. And the more she tells herself that, the more she's going to have no passion for her work. She's going to drag herself into the office She's going to barely do whatever is needed to just get by through the day. Her company's not going to get anything extra out of her whatsoever because she has no passion. She feels burned out. And the result's going to be that she still has no passion for her daily work. May result in not having a job at all. 
after a while. So there is a way to get in touch with why she felt passionate about that job to begin with. Right? Like she's feeling this way now about her job after her spouse died. Odds are she was working that job when he died and she feels she has no passion for it anymore. She needs to get back in touch with why it was that she took that job to begin with. How excited was she the day that she was offered that job? And when she can get in touch with that, and start thinking about how much more she could bring to her job, feeling that excited about it, all the ideas she had for that job when she took it. If she can get in touch with that and find some thoughts about that job that make her feel a little more excited about going to work each day, it could change her life, just that one thing. Just helping her understand that all the lack of energy she feels for that job is because of what she's telling herself right now about that job. If you play that thought in your mind, I have no passion for my work. I dread going in in the morning. I'm the, I don't look forward to my day anymore at all. If you tell yourself those things, how does that feel inside when those sentences play in your head? That feels awful. To me, just listening to my client tell me these things made me want to wrap up in a blanket, eat ice cream, and binge on Netflix all day. <laughs> you know, I just was so depressed from it. If you can begin to understand that it's your thoughts that are creating those results for you, and that you can find thoughts that feel a little bit better, that you believe, that's key, you can't go straight to some positive affirmation. She can't go from, I have no passion for my daily work whatsoever, to telling herself, I love my job. I love my job. Sticky notes all over her house to remind her, I love my job. Her brain's going to go, no, you don't. No, you don't. You can barely get up in the morning to face it. <laughs> her brain knows differently. But if you take her back to where she did have passion for her job and why she felt that passion, maybe she felt that she really was helping others through the work she was doing for that company. Like, wow, what we provide to other people, it just changes their lives. Now she starts to feel a little excitement about it. She could tell herself a different story about her job, right? So just let me summarize a little bit on that story and tell you what the f actual facts are from the story. We know her husband died. That's a fact. We know she pays bills. Bills come in, she pays them. We know she has a job. And we know she has children. Because she said, I would like my life back, time for myself and with my children and with my friends. So we know she has children. We know she has friends because she says, I want to have time with my friends. So there's other people she wants to spend time with. These are facts. The fact that she doesn't have the time for those things is what she's telling herself. Truly, there are single moms out there that work more than one job. And they still find time to spend with their kids and to get things done and spend time with their friends. I know these women right in my own community. 
So not having enough time means that you are not paying attention to how you're best using your time to make time for these other things. She's dragging herself through work every day because she thinks that she has no passion for it whatsoever. That alone is exhausting. So when she gets off work, off work at five o'clock, or even if she has to work till six o'clock because they keep her an hour overtime, she's going to be so exhausted. She's just going to come home, slap some food on the table for her children, go flop on the sofa in front of the TV and spend no time with her kids, no time with friends because she's mentally beaten down and exhausted. And it's a result of her thinking. If she understands that she can feel a little passion for her job, get through her day with a little bit of positive attitude. When she gets off work, she can feel like, yay, done for the day. Can't wait to go home. Maybe I can connect with the kids, depending on how old her kids are. She could have young kids she needs to pick up and go home and feed. She, her kids may be grown, but she wants to spend time with them. She has the whole evening. She has the weekends. She could get up a little earlier in the morning to take time for herself. That was one of the first things that went by the wayside after my husband died. I no longer did my basic morning routine that I used to do without even thinking about it. You know how it is that you just have this automatic routine you do when you get up out of bed. And I was in such shock, and I'm sure many of you experienced the same thing, that getting out of bed was an effort and I wouldn't even remember to brush my teeth let alone to meditate, to do a little yoga or any of the other stuff. It just kind of all went by the wayside. My, my goal initially was to get downstairs to the coffee pot without having to sit down and cry for a couple minutes in between. Okay. So, but there comes a time when you can tell yourself a different story about your story as a widow you can begin to rebuild those morning routines, even if it means getting up a little extra early in the morning. Give yourself an extra 15 minutes to sit up in bed. Think about the things you're grateful for. Just kind of set the state, the mood for how you're going to feel about that day. This widow realized how grateful she was to have that job. Because she had something else she could go focus on. She had something else she could put energy into for her life, her job. And in return, she got that paycheck so that she could pay the bills. Totally different way of looking at her story. Now, when you do this for yourself, it can be even more difficult for us to look at our own story and separate out the facts because we tend to think our thoughts, our facts, feels that way to us. When I think, oh, she just spoke down to me in front of everyone, that feels like a fact. Wouldn't you think so? If I came out of a meeting and said, I can't believe it, that Debbie spoke down to me. And you would say, what did she say? And I would tell you what she said. And you would go, I can't believe she said that to you because I already implanted in your head. Debbie spoke down to me. When the truth is, Debbie did not speak down to me. Debbie was just trying to caution me about something. Oh, you're going to do that? Now, you might want to consider this. 
And I interpreted it that she was on some high and mighty throne speaking down to me. And it upset me when the truth was she cared about me. And I could have felt good about that. Our thoughts, we think our thoughts are facts. So if you have a stressful or a painful situation you're currently dealing with, sit down with a notepad, just a little piece of paper and write out in detail. I mean, it doesn't have to be a book. <laughs> I'm just going to write a paragraph maybe about what it is that happened that's bothering you. Just write it all out. And then look back at the written story. This is the best way that you're going to be able to differentiate what you're thinking from what is actual fact. Okay. Look back at your story and see if you can list just the facts of the situation. Remembering facts can be proven. You could walk into a court of law and prove it is a fact. You can't say my whole family would agree with me. She really does act like this. It's a fact. You can't present that to a judge. Gotta have facts. So figure out what are the bare facts. There may be only one or two facts in your entire story. If your story is about something someone said to you, and you can quote them verbatim, their words can be part of the fact. Okay? You could say, my daughter said, back off, mom. That's a fact, if she spoke it. But at whatever you made that mean, all your thoughts about it are your story. So break out your facts. And then look back at those bare facts and... Think about what your opinions and thoughts were about those facts when you wrote out your little paragraph of story. What was all the stuff you were telling yourself about those facts? And how did your added opinion or your interpretation of those facts cause you to feel? Right? You want to break out the facts. You want to look at all the things that you were thinking that were opinion, they were subjective. How it feels to think that. And can you see how your thoughts about the facts are why you feel the way you do? And it's not the facts themselves that make you have those feelings, it's what you're thinking about them. Right? You want to be able to look at that and consider that. It's a powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool. And it's the first step. It's the first step in learning to coach yourself is what is your story that has you so upset? And how else might you rewrite that story for yourself? First, you have to break out the facts. Okay, you came home upset. I'm having the worst day ever. I had to wait in line forever at the grocery store forever at the grocery store while this woman fiddled with stuff. God knows what she was trying to write a check on. Then I got cut off in traffic. This man was so rude. He just cut right in front of me. I almost ran into him. Could have created an accident. I could have been hurt. Thank God I'm safe in my house now. This has just been awful. I'm sick to my stomach. <laughs> Let me tell you that story a little differently. The lady in front of me at the grocery store 
was struggling with something and it took a little extra time. But it's a good thing because I got to cruise the little packets of nuts and decided to bring home a little packet of mixed nuts to have with my salad later on. And driving home, some man needed to make a, a quick decision. No telling what was going on with him that he jumped in the lane in front of me. He seemed to be in a hurry. That's it. There was no, I almost ran into him. I almost had an accident. I almost got hurt. I waited forever in the grocery store. It was not forever. It was maybe three extra minutes. It can feel like forever. Unless you are like looking at the headlines of whatever scandal newspaper is on the stands there in the checkout, right? It all depends. And this is just like one little errand run in the afternoon that can ruin your whole day because you're thinking all those things. And if you think about them differently, it changes everything. Especially that standing in line at the grocery store because that used to really irk me. And the last time it happened, I was actually feeling kind of compassionate for the checker because she knew people were waiting and she was trying her best to straighten things out so she could finish the transaction with the lady. And I chose, once that was finished and I stepped up, I chose to look at her name on her little name badge because checkers all have little name badges on and say, wow, Kathy, doesn't sit that, you know, I having a great day, <laughs> you know, or how are you, Kathy? And I laughed and we joked with each other a little bit. And I think I felt good because I felt like I've probably lightened her mood a little bit after that. And I made her realize I was not the least bit angry. I mean, I didn't have to say it to her. I didn't say, wow, that took a long time, but don't worry. I'm not angry. That definitely didn't work. But being able to say, hey, Kathy, how's your day going? And she gave me that look and I laughed, <laughs> you know, like my day is going. You saw that lady. I just got the look and I laughed. And she said, did you find everything okay today? I said, sure did. And a few things I probably shouldn't have grabbed, but hey, they're in there, <laughs> you know, and just joked. And I left the grocery store in a, a absolutely light mood. I felt great because I was able to joke with her. We could laugh off the snafu. And feel good so that when the guy jumped his car in front of mine in traffic, and again, that's my thought that he just jumped right over. He may have thought he was just changing lanes, <laughs> right? So when this car suddenly came over in front of me in traffic, I was in a much better frame of mind to deal with it to begin with. And I didn't feel the least bit annoyed. I thought, wow, he must be in a hurry. And I, again, felt almost a little compassionate, like, well, I wonder what's going on with him, that he is, you know, kind of driving a little unsafely, jumping over, again, my interpretation. But the story I was telling myself about that was, you know, he might need to get to the hospital for someone. He might need, who knows, that, you know, he's anxious and he really needs to zip through this traffic. I was not, I did not make it feel like a disaster. So always consider that even the little stories driving in traffic. I've talked to you guys before about sitting in my car, gripping my steering wheel, going, come on, come on. When I'm sitting <laughs> stuck in traffic, like that really helps me feel better, right? It does not. 
what makes me feel better is when my mouth says it and then I hear it and I laugh because I go, listen to you. That's what makes me feel better. So start considering the difference of story from fact and see if you can break that out for yourself. It can be challenging. You can also hear it when you're, when you get good at it, you can hear it when other people tell you their stories. You begin to recognize what it is they're thinking compared to what is the basic facts of the story. And it's very interesting. And it's the basis for a lot of the tools that we use um, coaching, the tools that I teach in the Widow Coach Certification. So, and if you're interested in knowing more about the Widow Coach Certification, um, reach out to me. You can go to widowcoaches.com and find out more, right? I think it, it sends you a link for a questionnaire so that I can get just kind of a brief idea of where you're at. You know, I want to know a little bit about you so I can see, you know, if this is something that is going to serve you well and if we should jump on a phone call together. I would love to learn more about my listeners. I'm always interested in that. So you can check that out at widowcoaches.com. You can email me if you like. It's Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, no E, Joanne, the at, it's Joanne at joannethelifecoach.com is my email. So you guys have a terrific week. Get out there, find some joy in each day for yourself. And I'll talk to you again next time. 